Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Hey everyone, in this episode today, we're going to be talking about should we work with churches and uh, pastors and leaders as we attempt to multiply disciples and groups and start a disciple making movement. Should we start by approaching pastors and leaders around us? Or should we work independently and start our own uh, work with apart from them, um, maybe parallel to them? How do we handle this issue of working together with churches in the area? Um, what's appropriate? What's not appropriate? If we want to aim for seeing a movement released, we're going to be talking about that today on the podcast. And I'll be right back in just a moment as we dive into this important topic. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. All right, let's talk about working together with other believers, working together with pastors and leaders in churches in our area if we are aiming to see a disciple-making movement and the multiplication of disciples. Well, the first thing that I want to say in response to this question, and it's an important question for all of us to ask, the first thing that I think is important to remember is movements never happen just through one person, right? We need a lot of people who are excited about multiplying disciples. We are going to need to be mobilizers of disciple-makers and trainers of disciple makers as we also grow in our disciple making skills. It will not stay with just you. So there's going to be lots of other people from within the movement, those who are led to Christ as you reach out to them and start discovery groups with them, who then begin to multiply disciples. But there also will be some Christians who hear about what you're doing, they hear about your vision, and they want to get on board. They want to be part of this. And um, they may be people who are already committed followers in other churches. You may meet pastors and leaders who are interested, and they really are longing to multiply disciples, and they want to see their church members become not just members, but royal priests and learn the skills of how to multiply disciples. 
and you're going to need more people than just you. So uh, the picture definitely involves more than just you. And um, one of the questions that we always uh, ask in, um, in answering any question we have about disciple making is what did Jesus do and what did the Apostle Paul do? Everything that we do in disciple making movements needs to be based on scripture and the model that we see in scripture. So we're always going back to the Gospels and the book of Acts to see what did Jesus do? What did Paul do? What did Peter do? And what kind of model can we um, look to uh, to gain insights into these kinds of questions? So in response to this question, the first thing we need to ask is what did Jesus and Paul do? Did they start with the synagogues, right? They didn't have churches back then as we call them today, but they had the, the Jewish synagogues. Did they start with the synagogues and the synagogue leaders and members as they began to work in new areas? And um, yeah, what what's the obvious answer? Yes, they did. Uh, we see in Luke chapter four, verse 16, that that famous passage where Jesus describes his mission, we see that he went into the synagogue and he sat down. And then he was given an opportunity to read the passage. And he did. And he he there, right from the synagogue um, platform, if you might say, he described his mission that the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, right? That famous, beautiful passage where Jesus describes his mission was in the synagogue. Right. And so we see definitely Jesus did not avoid the synagogue. He went there and especially in his hometown, he went into the synagogue and he was a member and he was a participant there. So um, I think sometimes people get the wrong impression about disciple making movements that were anti established church or were anti building church. That's just absolutely not true. We want to engage with churches and pastors and leaders um, and, you know, when given an opportunity to, to present our mission, the mission that God's given us, the mission of Jesus to make disciples and multiply disciples, we want to be available to those opportunities to work with like-minded pastors and leaders. But there's an important word that I said right there, like-minded, right? And we also find that it can become controversial. And when we're given that opportunity to speak, as Jesus was, not everyone received that message. Some people were taken aback when he called himself the Messiah, right? And his message was controversial. He was willing to be controversial to bring the word of God to people in those contexts, right? And um, he was willing to speak the truth in love uh, to those religious leaders and with confidence because he knew he was connected to his father and his father's message but Jesus was unafraid to start in the synagogue and to start with existing believers. He gave them an opportunity to hear and to understand and to receive what he was saying or to reject it, which some did and some will with you as well as you begin to talk about making disciples. I just talked to someone today and they were telling me about a church that they were trying to, or sorry, it was yesterday. They were telling me about a church they were trying to work with and the, the pastors and leaders of this particular church, they said, we don't want our people to go out and share the gospel. <laughs> Can you believe that? It, it, it was said by a pastor and a leader. I just heard this yesterday from a, 
a leader right here in Asia and Thailand. And they said, we don't want our people to go out and share the gospel. We don't want things to change in our church. We like the way things are. We have our nice little group and friendships and we don't want it to change by a bunch of unbelievers coming into our congregation. They're content with where they're at. Is that biblical? No, it's not. Is that less than what God has for them? Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we have to, uh, after we've tried and that, remember, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message. But when they reject that message, we move on, you know, and we don't worry about it, right? We continue to obey Jesus and do what Jesus has called us to do. But it's not wrong to start there. Um, and to see, are people open to this vision? Is this something that they are attracted to? Are they like-minded in that way? They want to learn. They want to grow. Um, we also see the example of Paul in Acts chapter 19, verse 8. It says, Paul went into the synagogue um, many times, and he would go into a new area. He would start with the Jewish Jewish people. He would start with his own people and he would meet them and he began to share about Jesus and what Jesus had taught. And sometimes some of them were like-minded and they wanted to follow. They wanted to learn. They wanted to know more. So um, in answer to this question, should I approach other Christian leaders? I would say, yes, that's fine. That's good. Um, it's not wrong to do that. It's natural to do that. But don't be surprised if not everyone gets on board with the vision of multiplying disciples, of ordinary people being empowered to go out and make disciples, because it's a big change and people don't always like change, right? And uh, you want to look for the people who are desperate to reach the lost. They already have a heart for lost people. They already have a heart to see something different. They're discontent with what they're seeing. They're concerned about uh the the many young people who are leaving the church today or they're concerned about de-churching in america if it's in america or they're they're worried that um the young people that people are coming to church but they're not really following jesus they're just nominal or name only christians and that concerns them um, so if you start with those kinds of people and you present disciple multiplication through ordinary people as another option, maybe they've never heard of that and um, they will be very interested and come on board. But I have to be honest with you and say that probably 75% of people will prefer to stay in their tradition, to stay in their norm rather than being willing to change fairly radically um, to really become disciples who make disciples who make disciples and to engage in that. Many people will prefer the status quo over change, over new wine and new wineskins, so to speak. Though we know this is not new, right? This is what Jesus did, what Paul did is not new. It's going back to a New Testament way of making disciples, really, as we talk about disciple multiplication and de disciple making movements or church planning movements. Um, another question that came to my mind as I was thinking about this is, did Jesus assign the work of discipleship to the rabbis and synagogue leaders? No, he didn't, you know, and yet I see us doing this so often. Uh, for those of you who are listening who love evangelism or you're connected to an evangelistic group, we will often go out and do evangelism in a new area. And um, then when people come to Christ, what do we do? We look for a church that we can hand them off to. And we call that follow-up. 
Now, my friends, I just want to tell you that that's better than doing nothing, but that is not follow-up, right? And that is not what Jesus did. We don't see any example of someone following Jesus or learning about Jesus and he telling them, now now go talk to the rabbi and um, he's going to teach you more about how to follow me. No, Jesus took that responsibility himself. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishermen. And he took responsibility to disciple the people that, that began to follow him and to teach them more. And, um, you know, when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they pray a prayer of salvation or you lead them to Christ, there is a spiritual responsibility that you carry for ongoing discipleship of them. Because remember, the goal is not to get them their ticket to heaven and get them saved, so to speak. The goal is, Jesus said, go and make disciples, right? As we proclaim the kingdom, uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, when you find a person of peace, don't keep going on to other houses, stay in that home. And uh, through that person, you're gonna disciple many in that community right? Jesus didn't uh, say keep going door to door indefinitely. No, we are going door to door. We are looking for persons of peace. But when we find them, we stop, you know, doing that seed scattering and we then invest in them and we teach them to be able, the ones who will reach others in their community. And we might go on to a new community, but in that community, we don't continue just to do this, um, Sometimes I call it shotgun evangelism. You know, we're just boom, 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 you know, and uh, we're firing off these seeds and then we're taking no responsibility to water and to nurture those things that God is growing and to follow up with them. So Jesus never assigned the work of discipleship, of making disciples to the rabbis when he was the one who was bringing them into a relationship with with him and with God, we don't see Paul doing that either. Um, he might, he you know, he might involve others who are also following Jesus in discipling them. But um, I just am pushing against this sort of norm that has become so much our our ordinary way of doing evangelism. Then we follow up by giving their contact to uh, a, a local pastor. And I would just say like, you know, 80% of the time that pastor feels no sense of ownership to follow up on them, right? And and they're not going to. They, they're busy. They have lots of other things going on. They may like send a message or, or give them a phone call or invite them to church, but then they're going to drop it at that. Well, um, that's not the role of a spiritual parent, right? If you've led someone to Christ, Find out if they want to learn more. Send them scripture. Meet them again. Start a Discovery Bible study with them um, where they are also then inviting others to join them in that group. And, and a group begins that um, then can they can learn from the Word of God in a simple style. And that doesn't mean you have to be in that group indefinitely. Get them started. Let them um, learn the discovery method. They can continue doing it on their own with others. And then you just stay in touch with them um, as you're discipling many others as well. Um, I also was asking the question, did all of Jesus's work, did all of Paul's work happen in the synagogues? Right? And again, the answer is no. You know, we are so church building focused in what we do. <laughs> we focus on getting people into the building for our programs. 
And instead, we need to focus on getting the people in the buildings to go out and make disciples in the world, right? Most 90% of our disciple making should be happening outside of the church building, even if we are working with local pastors and leaders, or we are a local pastor ourselves. 90% of disciple making needs to be happening out there. It's happening um, at a coffee break um, or a lunch break at a, a business in a company someone works in. It's happening in a hair salon. It's happening in a house. It's happening at a coffee shop where people meet before they start work. 90, 90%, 95% of disciple making happens out there as we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Uh, discipleship doesn't happen in the building. So that's not our goal to get people in the building. And again, just to you know, go back to our, our question, uh, do we work with pastors and leaders and local churches um, or do we work separate from them? Um, I would just say sometimes you do work separately and sometimes you do work together. Um, it's, it's a both and answer, not an either or. Um, but the ones that you wanna work with are those who are like-minded those who are kingdom minded as well, who are not just thinking about building their own church kingdom, their own church uh, name or brand, or um, they're not just concerned about having their own church grow and have more people so they can report bigger numbers, but they are truly concerned for the kingdom of God to grow and spread rapidly in their area. And they're concerned about the lost and they want to obey Jesus' command to make disciples that multiply. That is what is burning in their hearts. Those are the kind of people, they're, they're, they're desperate to see something different, to see something change. Those are the kind of people who are gonna be open to consider a, a different way of working, a way that empowers ordinary believers to be royal priests of God, to make disciples, to do the work of the ministry, and is going to be really committed to training and equipping them to be that in their community, in their neighborhood, with their family, with their neighbors, with their colleagues at work, um, wherever they are at the gym, wherever they are um, in their community, um, as they are serving others around them. Um, those people are people that you do want to work with and you do want to train. And um, it's okay to start in the synagogue and see who those people might be and give them an opportunity to learn and grow with you. And they're going to definitely contribute as well because they pastors and leaders have a lot of experience in ministry, a lot to give. There will be some things that they bring that you need, but there will also be some things they need to unlearn <laughs> and um, intentionally simplify because they are you know, able to carry a very heavy baton that is hard to pass on to an ordinary believer for them to pick up and pass on to someone else. So they're gonna have to unlearn some things. I've had to unlearn some things uh, in order to keep things simple and light and reproducible and easy for an ordinary brand new believer to pick up, do, and pass on to someone else, which is what leads to multiplication of disciples in your area and that kind of organic growth that spreads rapidly, uh, bringing the transformation of the kingdom to many, many, many thousands of people in your region. So I hope this helps and answers some of that question and um, I'll be back with a recap in just a minute.
Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in Africa and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples. Don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of The Multipliers Mindset today. All right, let's do a quick uh, recap and some takeaways and an action step. So we've been talking about how it's okay to work with people who are from traditional churches if they are like-minded, if they are open to learning and growing, they are desperate to see change, they want to learn how to make and multiply disciples, you can work with them. Jesus and Paul often started with people in the synagogue, um, but then when their message was not accepted, they didn't feel bad about that. They just continued with the mission that they'd been given by Jesus, and they were not deterred by the lack of support that they often had or the misunderstandings that often came. They they stayed on their mission to make disciples, to, to multiply the message of the kingdom. Uh, look for like-minded people. Don't, um, don't waste time with people who are not interested in that vision. Don't be um, dissuaded or um, discouraged by their lack of enthusiasm. Just do what God's called you to do. 90% of disciple making happens outside of the church building. So our goal is not to get people into the building or the synagogue. Anyway, our goal is to train and equip those who want to learn and grow so that they can make and multiply disciples. And um, yeah, don't be concerned or offended if not everyone gets on board. But there will be some. There will be some who are kingdom-minded and they really want to learn and grow. They're teachable. Even though they have had a lot of equipping, they realize they have more to learn. And those are people that you can, you can really work with um, as you continue to multiply disciples in a new area. So here's the action step that I want to give you today as we wrap up this podcast. I want you to pray for the churches around you in your area and ask God to show you uh, who is like-minded. There may be pastors and leaders out there. There may be Christians who are, you know, they've served faithfully in the church and they are just so, so burdened about the lost people around them. And they are longing for someone who that they could join with in really seeing change come to the community. They want to make disciples among the least, last and lost around them. Pray for those churches and pray that God would bring those people to you that you could partner with them. Maybe you're a pastor who's listening and it's a like-minded pastor from another denomination or another organization, or maybe it's a, a Christian from another church that really has this passion. I do believe God wants us to work together. It's going to take more than just you 
to make disciples. So pray that God would highlight those people to you, that he would bring them across your path and be open this week to the Holy Spirit um, connecting you with people who are like-minded. And um, then lastly, if you have tried and it's not been well-received, I just want you to take make an intentional step to forgive people who are not on board. Forgive them, release them, bless them, and keep going with what you're doing, reaching lost people. A lot of the workers are in the harvest. They're people that you will lead to faith, you will disciple them, and they will be with you from the get-go in understanding that we are all called to be royal priests. We're all called to make and multiply disciples. God bless you guys. We'll see you uh, back in the next episode next week. Have a wonderful rest of the, the evening or day or whatever it is there. Bye for now. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember... God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.